0: somewhere. No. All right. Those who are proud. Amen. And um, it's a teaching about humility, of course. Humility is the other side of uh, the opposite side of pride. Amen. And um, God is leading us into this study because God wants to help us. Amen. Amen. Satan is proud and all pride originates from him. And so when he manifests himself in people, one of the signs is pride. Amen. Amen. The seed of Satan, which we all carry, is bound to manifest its characteristics as prophet was teaching this morning amen that because we have been influenced by the seed of satan because everybody will eventually manifest the characteristics of the seed that has made him or the seed that um uh, he has yes that has made him do you see what i'm saying so um one of the characteristics of the impact of Satan on
1: our lives
0: is pride, which means that we are all naturally uh, inclined towards pride. Do you see we are all naturally inclined towards all the evil things and all the negative things. And that's why we don't really have to be taught any of those evil things. Don't even bother to teach your child how to lie. Don't lie anyway. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Don't tell lies anyway. You don't have to teach your child how to get angry and how to, you know, listen, let me teach you how to be angry. When you're angry, you do this, right? And you frown. And also let me teach you when to get angry, which is when I ask you to do something and you don't want to do it. Or when you want to do something and I don't want you to do it that's a good time to be angry. Is that clear? Right, so practice it this afternoon. Nobody teaches a child any of those things. Children get angry, and they get angry at the right time. (laughs) Isn't it? Yes, and they get very negative. They tell lies. They do all sorts of things. I mean, and sometimes you wonder, how can a little child like that come up with such cleverness (laughs) you know in in manufacturing the deception do you see deception like he's about to do something naughty and he knows you don't want him to do it and he sees you coming and he starts walking straight you know and it's like he was going to do something entirely different and you just wonder where did you learn such deception from well the deception is in us Right from the cradle. Do you see? Just like walking and talking are in them right from the cradle. You see, walking and talking is inside him. But he just needs time. You see? So maybe eight, nine, ten months down the line, you see the walking will just start manifesting. Do you see? Yeah. Then two years, three years, four years, you just see the talking coming. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's all influenced by the environment. Wherever they are. That's what they start to live out. Amen. And so if we are left as we are. What we will naturally do. Is to act proud. Do you see? Now the real reason why that is a problem. Is because of a scripture. Which we have been reading. And that scripture is found in the book of James. Okay? The book of James where the Bible says God gives more grace. So James Chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Amen. God resisteth the the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Can you see that? God He giveth more grace. God gives more grace. Last week I was sharing with you that all of us have experienced and do experience grace, you know, in various forms, starting from the grace that saves you, right? It's because the Bible says, For by grace are you saved. So once you are saved, you are already. A beneficiary of grace. Do you get it? But the Bible says the grace of God that you have already experienced, whether it is the one that saved you or any other form of grace that you're experiencing, you know, the Bible says He has more. Do Do you understand? God has more grace, He giveth more grace. Yeah, so if you think you like what you're experiencing or you think you like what you're enjoying, That's not all there is to experience, right? Yes. He says, he giveth more grace. Then that same verse shows us how that grace is distributed. Who is it that gets extra? You know, do you wonder sometimes who gets extra things? It's like you're all giving something and you wonder how some people seem to get a little more, (laughs) You know, and you wonder, I mean, how is it that uh, we all have been given something, but some people seem to, yes, extra what? Food, right? Kebabs from yesterday. <laughs> hey, you're coming to cry on me here. <laughs> coming to cry on me here. You should have been crying yesterday. (laughs) Now you make me miss it too. (laughs) I don't know if I should preach or go after kebabs, but (laughs) you know, it's always nicer the next day. (laughs) Wow. So, he giveth more kebabs. <laughs> he giveth more grace. <laughs> Amen. Can you see it in your Bible? That God can help you more than He already has. God has more grace. And, and you know, it's not, it's not just a way of talking to say by the grace of God. Do you see? If someone asks you how you're doing and you say by the grace of God, it's not just politeness. (laughs) Christian politeness. Do you see? Yeah, it's not just being, you know, a a nice Christian way of talking by the grace of God. It's a statement of fact. That you are alive. You tell me, what is your contribution to being alive today? (laughs) What what did you do? What did you do, you know, yeah? Like you woke up, got out of bed. That's not a contribution to living. That's what you do when you find out you are living. (laughs) Do you see? When you find out morning has come and you are still alive. Then you get out of the bed. (laughs) But I'm talking about what is your contribution to being alive? Then you realize your contribution is zero. In fact, sleep is one of the most helpless states a human being can enter. Yeah, when you fall asleep, you are so helpless. (laughs) Do you see? Yeah, you can fall asleep in the wrong place. (laughs) Fall asleep in the wrong way. In the wrong posture. Yeah. You drool. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you're exposed. Yeah. Your only control is before you sleep. (laughs) Because once you fall asleep too bad do you see yeah and so you see that it is the grace of God that wakes us up do you see it's the grace of God that allows us to have the gifts and the talents that we have you know when DJ stands up and she sings beautifully to us it is the grace of God it's the grace of God have you been to music school no, you haven't been to music school? No? What did you study in school? Science. Science. You see, yeah, and you can sing. She can sing beautifully. We are all blessed. It is the grace of God. <laughs> Amen. And many of you have other gifts and talents, like when Leah writes her poems. Wow. I don't know what it, what do you think it would take to get Leah to say another poem to us? Okay,
1: Jean-Jacques.
0: Jean-Jacques is supposed to write it for her. His first. So Jean-Jacques' poem is what is blocking Leah's gift. (laughs) Jean-Jacques. Yeah. But
1: all these gifts
0: are what? The grace of God. Because most of the time we didn't even ask for them. Do you see? We didn't even ask. Some of you can draw. It is the grace of God. It is the, listen, to live and be oblivious or indifferent to the grace of God is to make a very big mistake. You're making a very big mistake to live and to ignore the fact that there is also, apart from your efforts and apart from your little, little things that you do, and really compared to the grace of God, and if we compare that with your own efforts, the grace of God has accomplished far more in your life than your own efforts. You don't think, look back at your life, you'll see that most of the things that I have worked are things you didn't plan. <laughs> Isn't it? most of what you planned actually has not worked (laughs) isn't it yeah most of what has worked is what you didn't plan what you didn't plan is what has worked it is the grace of God so the grace of God is something to crave because the grace of God is really what makes people differ from another it is the grace of God that makes you different from another person. And so the grace of God is not something to um, to trivialize or to set aside and to live like it does not exist. Do you see? I mean, sometimes when we do a few things and we see ourselves coming up a little bit, you know, like we just make some moves or do something and we start to see ourselves being successful a little bit, then you see ourselves swelling up. <laughs> do you do, do understand? Yeah. Meanwhile, the grace of God has done most of the work. Most of the work is the grace of God. You get it? The grace of God has baked the cake. The grace of God has chosen the ingredients. The grace of God has decided the flavors. The grace of God has decided the shape and then you just come and put some sprinkling on the cake and then suddenly you are so proud and uh, taking credit for the whole cake. <laughs> It is the grace of God. Everybody say grace of God. God. Say it again. Say the grace of God. God. Yes. That's why when we are sharing the grace at the end of the service, it's one of the most important parts of the service. (laughs) It's not a time to start gathering your your you know pocketbook and gathering your iPad and just start. that's what some people do. When say, now let's share the grace and just start gathering them. It's because you don't know what grace does. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You don't know what grace does. That is the reason why you despise it. And that's the reason why you are not fighting to include more and more of the grace in your life. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes, that's why you're not doing that. But if you understand the role that grace plays in your life, you know, when the apostle Paul would write to the churches, he would always start grace. He would say grace and peace. Grace and peace from God. Because grace is a difference maker. Hallelujah. Amen. Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. So you will not become anything except by the grace of God. Do you understand? You will not become anything except by the grace of God. So the grace of God is something you must strive to have. And the scripture says that God gives more grace. That grace is, grace is not a fixed amount. Do you see? Yes, that the grace you enjoy can actually increase. Because he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. Let me ask you, how many of you think you are already experiencing some grace of God? Raise your hand. Let me see. Right? Can you identify an area in your life where you can say this is by the grace of God? Something you know you can't take credit for. Raise your hand. Let me see. It's by the grace of God. Grace of God. It's the grace of God. By the grace of God, you're married. (laughs) By the grace of God. By the grace of God, somebody has chosen you. It's by the grace of God. By the grace of God, you have stayed married. (laughs) Because you know yourself, even you can live with you. <laughs> yeah, even you, you alone can live with you. <laughs> yeah. By the grace, yeah. Do you see? So it is the grace of God. But now the Bible says. That grace you have experienced is not all the grace there is to experience. He giveth more grace. So perhaps if you were to get some more grace, that grace would transition you from where you are into the next place that you desire to be. <laughs> Do you understand? Because people become what they are by the grace of God. Maybe I should just find that scripture. You know, let me show it to you. Right? You found it? 1530, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 30. Can you see that? It says, but what? Oh, no, 1510. Okay. Uh It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed on me was not in vain. That means it was not useless. Do you you get it? Yes. when God bestows grace on you, you see, it's not useless. Do you see? It's not for nothing. That's what it means. It was not in vain, right? But what? He says, but I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Do you understand the verse we're reading? Are you are you with me, everybody? The scripture is saying, he said that, look, I am what I am, by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which he put on me, which he showered on me, he said that grace was not in vain. But what it did was it caused me to work more abundantly than everybody else. You see, then he says, and yet it was not me. I was not doing it, but it was the grace. You know how sometimes when people... You see, grace puts you under the influence. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Grace puts you in some type of UI type of situation. (laughs) Do you see? And it makes you do things that you otherwise couldn't do. Do you see? Yeah? When people are driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol, they drive in ways that shock us. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. And if you are standing by, or sometimes they overtake you, or you you have any kind of experience with them, you just know there's something wrong with this person. This person is not doing what normal, he's not operating at the optimal level of humans. He's under some kind of influence. And that's what Paul is saying. He said that, look, the grace that was upon me, it turned me into a hyper worker. Do you see? It made me do things that others could not do. It made me more capable than others. It made me more fruitful than others. It made me more productive than others. It made me smarter than others. It made me do so many things that others he says, more abundantly than they all. Wow. I don't know why you're trying to live your life without grace. Do you see He it says he made me do better than everybody, yes. Then he explains. Yet it was not I. It was not I. It was not I. It was not I. I." Sometimes people do outrageous things, and when it ends up being a crime, and they are taken to court, then they start to plead. Very popular uh, uh, plea: insanity. Then when they are pleading insanity, they are saying, I did it, yet it was not I. (laughs) Do you see the thing? They are saying, I did it. Yes. But it was not I. Yes. God wants to bring you to a place where you will be shocked by some of the things that he will accomplish through your life. Yes, you will also stand somewhere and say, I did it. They say I did it, (laughs) yet it was not I. Yes, you will not believe the great things that your life yields. And you're going to wonder, how did I come through this? How did I do this? The answer is the grace of God. Everybody say the grace of God. The grace of God. So the Bible says he gives more. He gives more. He gives more. So receive more grace. Receive more grace everybody. Amen. He says he gave us more grace. So that you can do excellent things. Do amazing things. And do things you never imagined your life could accomplish. Say amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, so now this verse contains also the formula for accessing the extra grace. Do you understand? And he says that when God starts dishing out the extra grace, apart from what he has already given you, which you didn't ask for. Do you understand? He gives us more grace. He gives more grace. He shares extra grace. And the extra grace that God shares, the Bible says this is how he does it. When proud people show up for it, he says no. So all that proud people will ever get is the grace they are enjoying now. Yeah, whatever God has given to you already, that is it. Proud people do not qualify for the extra grace or more grace that God gives, He gives us more grace. Proud people are not included. So when you're proud, and, and you see, it, 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 it makes sense. It makes sense because God has given already everybody a measure of grace. And as He has given people a measure of grace, He walks, He watches how proud people carry themselves with it. How proud people you know act with the grace they already enjoy and he says look at this person I already gave him some grace look at what he's doing sometimes looking down on others who don't have the same grace that you have you know disrespecting people sometimes standing on that grace to bully others and to maltreat others and to to destroy other people's lives because of the grace that he has given you The grace even to speak. Yes, and you use the grace to speak to poison others and to discourage others and to gossip about others and God is just wondering. Look at this person. I gave him some grace to speak. You know, he could have been dumb. (laughs) I gave him grace to speak. Look at what he's saying. Oh, listen listen to her words. Do you see? So when such a person shows up before God trying to sign up for some of the extra grace, God says, no, you are proud and your pride disqualifies you from getting extra grace. And God says, no, I'm not going to give you, he won't give proud people grace, but he says he gives grace to the humble. Amen. So the humble can qualify for more grace. When people are humble, God will give them more grace. Can I have an amen? amen? And so in talking about humility, we're talking about how you can qualify for more grace. His grace is his power. His grace is his ability. His grace is an enabler. His grace is is able to empower you, equip you, and make you capable of doing things that you otherwise couldn't do. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. Sometimes I watch people, you know, especially people, you know, when, when you find yourself naturally good at something, you can't understand why somebody can't do it. Do you, do you understand that? Yes, you, you can understand that. Why somebody can't do it? I remember when I, I I would teach people music. You know, I used to teach in the choir, and as I would be teaching the people, I would sing a note. <laughs> <laughs> ta ta da!
1: So sing it back. Ta <laughs>
0: And I would come back and say, no, no. Ta-da. Then they'll sing, ta-da. <laughs> you know. I couldn't understand it. <laughs> Do you see? Yeah. I, I couldn't understand why they couldn't sing it. Then I would take three steps back and i would say, okay, all right, sing da. Then they'll sing, ta-da-da. Then I'll say, You see that second note? Hold on to it. Okay? So now sing that note only. Then they just take it again. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da. Do you see the thing? Yeah. And I would not understand it. But it's the grace. And what I'm saying is that when, you see, the other day I was talking to someone and he was complaining about another person and, um, you know, what something they were doing, you, you, you know, and he couldn't seem like me. He couldn't understand why the other person would not. Can you not just see this basic thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was saying to him that, do you realize that, you see, the way you are talking about this, thing makes you look so great. But do you realize that for you seeing this thing is without any effort from you. You, you don't it, it doesn't take you anything to see this thing. Because you're made like that. Do you understand? Yeah. It's the grace of God for you. Like you take people who are tidy. Most people who are tidy just are tidy. <laughs> they didn't go to tidying school I mean how many of you are tidy naturally tidy raise up your hand let me see is there anybody hey, we don't have any in the church <laughs> raise up your hand let me see the, uh, they are all at the back they are all at the back okay 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 eh? oh, you are being humble <laughs> Aha, are a, the communication of your faith is effectual by acknowledging every good thing in you so if it is there, you just say it's there. Just add by the grace of God. Right. So let's see the title ones again. Just naturally right. Okay. Yeah. Alright. How come they are all at the back? Okay. Then you have another group of people, you know. Yeah. For whom? <laughs> they are in the front. <laughs> right. You know, for whom everything comes as an explosion. <laughs> you, you get it, yeah. They see, they see things in, in explosive patterns. <laughs> do, you, do, do, do you get it, yeah. So if, if they are clothes, they have to be everywhere. <laughs> you, you get it. They have to, if they are things, I mean, they, they thrive in... <laughs> exactly. All things bright and beautiful. (laughs) Now I'm saying that when sometimes the tidy ones are addressing their other type of gift, (laughs) you see that they can't understand. Do, do, Do you see like, why can't you just? Yeah. Yeah. But for one group, you you realize that to be tidy actually takes none of you. Yeah? You don't, you don't even have to think to be tidy. That's just the way you are. There, there are some people who naturally put things in the right place. Others put it in the room. <laughs> right? It's there. It's, it's in the house. Somewhere in this whole big house, it is here. Yes. Yes. And there's no need to know its location until it's needed. <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of person. It's a kind of person.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But whatever your grace is, it's important for you to acknowledge that it is grace that is doing it. Do you understand? And grace makes you humble. And the Bible says when people are humble, God gives them more grace. Are you understanding it? Yes. God gives them more grace, more grace. And when you have enough grace, that grace will more than cover up for your deficiencies, your weaknesses, the places where you can't measure up, where you can't, there's not enough of you to fill up that place. God will top that up with his grace. Do you understand? And his grace will be sufficient. That's how come the apostle Paul said he had a situation and he said three times he asked god to take away that situation and god said no i'm not taking it away my grace is sufficient for you so you can still have this problem and still do well that's the point because the the see grace tops you up do you see his grace tops up your deficiencies. He tops up the gaps in your life. He tops up the failings in your life. His grace just puts something on it such that you are still able to measure up. You are still able to meet the standard. You are still able to do well even though you are clearly deficient in an area. His grace makes up for what you can't do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? yes and he says that he will give well yeah just look at it he says he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect do you see look at it my grace is sufficient for thee then he starts to explain what he means by my grace is my strength can you see that because you see there's a colon right there after you get it There's a colon right there after which, where is it? Are you, are you, bring it back. Yes, right there. Okay. Yes, there's a colon after my grace is sufficient for thee, which is that is to say my strength is made perfect in weakness. Amen. So if we understand what grace is, I tell you whatever it takes to get more, we must Sign up for it. Join the line for more grace. Because if the grace of God is working, is abundant in your life, it will not matter what you can't do. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. You may be naturally deficient in something or in an area. You get it. You may not have a certain gift, a certain talent. You may not have certain things but if his grace is at work in you, it won't make a difference. It won't matter what you're missing. Do you see? It won't matter what you're missing. God will give you something that will make you measure up and you still do well in spite of that clear deficiency. Can I have an amen? Amen. Right. You see, we are ending up talking about grace. Grace but we're supposed to be talking about humility. (laughs) You see? Yeah. We're talking about humility. You see? Yeah. But it's important because humility draws grace. You see? And if we can have grace, enough of it, we will be doing well. Say "Amen." amen. Say, I want more grace. And I receive more grace. Say, Lord, give me more grace. Thank you for more grace. Hallelujah. Yeah. He giveth grace to the humble. Right? And so in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, the Bible says, humble yourselves therefore under under the mighty hand. You see, wait, don't go to 1 Peter yet. Go back to the other one. The same one we're reading. Go back to James chapter 4 and verse 6. And you see how it's immediately followed by. Submit yourselves therefore to God. This is verse 7. James 4 and 7 says. "He Okay. Pause. He giveth more grace. Wherefore he seeth. God resisteth the proud. But giveth grace unto the humble. Then he says. Therefore, submit yourselves. Can you see that? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't it? Yeah. So, so humble yourself, therefore, to, uh, uh, towards God. Be humble. Submit. Yield yourself to God. And then resist the devil and he will flee. Now read the First Peter 1. The First Peter chapter 5. And verse six. What does that one say? First Peter chapter five, and verse six. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Can you see that? It says, Grace, humility, promotion. Do you understand? Yeah, or rather humility, then grace, then promotion. So he says, if you are humble, God, you will attract the grace of God. As we read this verse, it says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You see, but we understand this verse a little more now because we understand now how come humility produces exaltation. How come you go up when you come down? Do you see? Yes, you go up when you come down. You know, even in real life, when you want to jump, the higher you need to go, the lower you need to go to jump. (laughs) Do, Do you see? A little bit of humility, then you can jump. Then you can make a leap. I mean, I don't know anybody who leaps from this position. Do you see? You need to bow down a little bit and humble yourself a little bit. Humble yourself meaning that you stand shorter than you really are. And based on that you go down and that little humility empowers you to go up. Do you see? And he says that humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time. Now we know why that happens. It happens because when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You attract his grace. And the grace then propels you and powers your life. And shoots you upwards in whatever you are doing. Hallelujah. Say amen. So how to be humble is what we are talking about. How to be humble. Last week we were talking about how to be humble as a child. We just picked some of the points there. And today I want to talk about how to be humble as a servant. Okay, just a couple of points and then we will close because our time is already nearly gone. Is nearly up. Okay. All right. So how to be humble like a servant. Now these are two, two people that Jesus uses to teach us his lessons on humility. By comparing us to a servant and also comparing us to a child. He says, unless you are converted and you become like a child, you cannot even enter into the kingdom. He says, unless you are converted, you have to be repackaged. Everybody say repackaged. Say, do this, do this. He has to repackage you. (laughs) You see, our natural tendency is to be so proud that we have to be repackaged. We have to be converted. You see, you have to turn the inside out in some way and just convert the whole thing and just change it so it fits another way. Do you see? Yeah, one time I saw something on um, television. They were selling uh, a, a, you know, something, a top for ladies. And the person was showing us that with that one garment, you can convert into, into so many different garments. Yes, and so she was just holding the same thing and just turning it inside and out in different ways and then she would wear it and it would look like something else, you know. She was saying, you don't have to travel with much if you just get one of these. You just be wearing different things every day, you know. So she would turn it some way, you know. It's a conversion, the same thing, just repackaged and rearranged. Do you understand And the Bible says you need to rearrange yourself and become like a child in order to be able to be great in the kingdom of God. Amen. Now the other one is to be like a servant.
2: Hallelujah.
0: Yes, Luke chapter 22 and verse 26. It says, but ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you let him be as the younger and he that is chief as he that that doth serve. Can you see that? He says, it shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he that is chief as he that doth serve. Amen. Amen. So greatness in the kingdom of God is to become like a child. That is the younger. Can you see? He says we should be like the younger, the younger, the younger, because it's a range. Everybody is older than someone. Even Kara is older than (laughs) Jean-Jacques, Jean-Leon, yeah, not (laughs) Jean-Jacques. Hallelujah. Do you see what I'm saying? Everybody gets to be older than someone. So it's a range. But he says, be like the younger. In your sphere and in your world, there must be some younger people. And the Bible says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, be like the younger. Be like the younger. Hallelujah. And then be also like the one who serves. That means be like a servant. Amen. God wants us to be like servants. Now, what are servants like? Number 1, to be humble like a servant, right? To be humble like a servant means you are happy and willing to do menial jobs. Right? So, to be like a servant is to be happy And willing to do menial jobs. To be happy and willing to do menial jobs. When you lose this humility. You are no longer willing to do menial jobs. So the first characteristic of a servant. uh, For our purpose. Is the willingness to do things that are not so important, right? The word menial, menial, if you check the meaning of the word, it says work not requiring much skill and lacking prestige. Yes. Work not requiring much skill and lacking what? Prestige. Prestige. Pride makes us look only for prestigious work isn't it yes pride makes us look only for prestigious work and many times people don't even have jobs because they lack this particular trait which is that they have their eyes so set on high things that they miss the low things that lead to the high things Do you see? Yeah. Sometimes you can be so fixated on where you're going that you just trip. You just trip on the first step. The step that you need to take which will give you a chance at going where you're going. It's the step you miss. People don't know that to get to the top of a building you don't just stand down there on the ground. And lift yourself. Do you see what I'm saying? You don't just stand in front of the building. And just leap. And then you are at the top of the building. No. That's not how it's done. You need to find a building. And then you need to find the steps that lead to the top of the building. And humbly take them one step at a time. One step at a time. That's how we make progress in life. That's how we go up in ministry. That's how we go up in the church. That's how we go up in any place. There's nothing like rising up and just taking a leap. And suddenly you're great. So people find themselves in trouble, especially young people. A lot of young people want a lot of money overnight. Yeah, because like never before, there's now more things to do with money. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, there's now more things to do with money, more things to buy, more things to enjoy, more things to engage with. And even people who have things want the latest version of it. Someone was showing me a pair of um, sneakers that cost about, was it $250 or? 300 or so. Pastor Charles, what are the the, the new Kanye West shoe is $350. Yeah? Oh, that's the discounted one. <laughs> that's when you have a coupon. <laughs> yeah you see and many young people want to be able to wear these things so you find someone who's just out of college or even not out of college yet you get it barely passing the exams that will even get you out of college but your appetite is the appetite of a millionaire Do you see? Yeah, you have desires for things that people who have worked for years and years and years and years. I mean, the other day I saw some ma- a man driving a vehicle. I mean, as I saw the man, in, it was a Bentley. And as I saw the man, you know, every part of his body had a place. <laughs> you, you get it? Yes. I mean, the, the, the vehicle was big, large. And then as he sat behind the yeah. steering wheel, it seemed to have room to accommodate every part of his body. Yeah. And I, I I was just looking. He was an elderly man, probably in his 60s, maybe even 70s. And I was just thinking, this must be a man who has worked. He's worked and worked and worked, done all sorts of things. You know, and he has finally reached his resting place. <laughs> Yes, as he drove the car. Yeah. That is different from some young person. You know, you see young people who see such a thing and they want to be that overnight. Yeah, they want to be that overnight. And that turns people into thieves. Yes, because you're going to have to make up somehow for the difference. Do you see? Yes. So it turns people into thieves. It turns people into drug dealers. It turns people into what? Scammers. Yes. Yes. It turns people into all sorts of things. And you can very easily become any of these things. Why? Because remember, the seed of Satan is already there. You you possess that tendency anyway. Yes. But to become a scammer, most people don't need much training. <laughs> you get it. You, you come pre-trained. <laughs> all of us are pre-trained. You get it. Yeah. Pre-trained some around the house as a little boy, you know, little tricks here and there, you know, mommy, can I have this, you know, and, and you're hiding one already <laughs> and, and you know, you're tricking your mother, tricking your father. These are all training <laughs> activities. That So by the time you land outside, they're ready to deceive the world. You don't need anybody to coach you. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, to be a servant is to be willing to do menial jobs. Amen. Amen. And in the church, there are menial jobs. Yeah. There are jobs that don't require skill and which lack prestige. Isn't it? Yes. Like carrying the chairs like assembling the things back together, disassembling them, packing the things into the trailer outside. These are things we do every Sunday and there are some people who do not, do not, will not, are not supposed to, were not born to. (laughs) They shan't. uh, Never participate in any of those things. We'll always find some story and some something. Just to exclude themselves from it. Now when you do that, you are excluding yourself from some of the opportunities to demonstrate humility which attracts the grace of God upon your life. There should be nothing that is too low for you to do in the church. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you may come to church dressed in whatever like Cinderella and come in your Cinderella clothes to church and so on. But your Cinderella clothes should not prevent you from getting hold of a broom if that's what we need. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You should not allow your Cinderella shoes to prevent you from doing things in the church. And you find people their Cinderella shoes would not even allow them to dance. Yeah. But every Cinderella must be prepared to move on without a shoe. (laughs) I think that's the story, isn't it? Isn't that the story? She lost a shoe, but she still moved on. Yeah. Uh, Yes. And that is what opened the door to For her to be selected. Her willingness to move on. Without the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. You see. Every Cinderella must be prepared for that. Sometimes you can come to church. I remember when we. Before the days of. um, You know a cordless microphone. You know. I would go to church. And they would give me this microphone. With a cord and the cord would be rolling all, you know, on the floor and we covered with dust and the dust will be rubbing in my clothes, you know, but it was the price to pay to preach. Yeah. So you come to church and you leave sort of dirty, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to come to church and to leave dirty because when you go to work in many places, you come home dirty. Yes. yes. Do you see? So we must be prepared to do menial jobs. Tell somebody, I am ready to do menial jobs. Yes. I'm ready to do any work in any capacity. That must be your mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right. Now let me go on quickly to another one, number three. When you're humble like a a servant, you're willing to be trained in your work okay when you're humble like a servant you're willing to be trained and when you lose this humility you're no longer really willing to receive training Ecclesiastes 413 is a verse that we must not miss Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 13 you know
1: ha huh, I wish I had some time but
0: all right listen Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4 and verse 13. It says. When, uh, it says. Better is a poor and a wise child. Than an old and foolish king. Who will no more be admonished. <laughs> Can you see that? Better is a poor and wise child. Put it, put it on there please. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 13. Better is a poor and a wise child, right? Than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished, right? To be admonished means you can be counseled and you can be spoken to. You can be advised, right? You can be spoken to. You can, you can, someone can speak to your heart, Do you understand? Yes. And it's interesting that in this little verse, the one that is able to receive counsel is the younger. Remember Jesus said, let him be like the younger. Isn't it? He said "He said that Jesus said, the one who wants to be greatest. In fact, let's go back to that verse. Let's go back to that verse very quickly. Um, The one who wants to be great. Luke 22 and verse 26. It says, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. Is is our thing not working anymore? It is? Okay, great. It says, let, let it not be so. It says, be he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. Do you see? And he that is chief, as he that doth serve. The one who will be chief, and be great. Let him be like the one who serves. Now we are saying that he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, go quickly again to that verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 13, we can see a child and a king. Right? And the child, is as a poor, wise child and an old, foolish king. Do you see? Yes. And the poor wise wise child is being chosen and is being preferred to an old and foolish king because the king will no more be admonished. You can't talk to him anymore. You can't change his mind about anything. He feels that he's a king so he's established. No one can tell me what to do in my own house. Because kings have palaces. Kings have kingdoms. Kings have a little place where they rule. Kings have a little space where they determine what goes. And because he has attained that level, he says, no, you can't speak to him. He will no more be admonished. And the Bible says, the child who is poor and wise is better than that one. And Jesus said, let him be like the younger because it is the younger who can be advised. And because he can be advised, he's the one that will go up. He's the one that will become the greatest He's the one that will become the chief. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. See, all of us come into life, when you come into life, you're like a long sheet of paper. Yes. And everybody is a product of the things that have been written on that sheet. That's what every. So if you have enough counsel, enough advice, strong upbringing... Then you get to have more things written on that sheet. And that ends up being your life. Do you see? But a lot of people go through life with not much written on the sheet at all. So they just rely on their natural tendencies. Most of your natural tendencies will not lead you to a good place. Oh yes, most of your natural tendencies will make you ugly. No, you just imagine if you didn't the way you woke up this morning, if you came to church like that. Yeah, if if you came to church the way you woke up this morning. Yeah. But that's that's you. That's your natural, that's that's your natural tendencies. That's how you are. Do you see? Yeah, with one eye barely open. You know, some people wake up like that. It's like when they wake up, it, t- it takes time. The, the eyelids need to warm up <laughs> before they can actually fully open, or the eyes will not dilate properly. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah. You see, yeah. And part of your hair has remained in the bed. <laughs> it's remained in the bed (laughs) you see you have to get it later and put it back in its place have to fix your face fix yourself and you know put yourself together but that's how you are naturally so most of our natural selves will not lead to a victory in life, We will not do well you need to be Admonished. Do you understand? Yes. And our training is like a kind of processing. Do you see? You add value to yourself the more training you have. Do you, do you see? Yeah. So when people, like, if you, the other day I went to the store to buy some orange juice, and you see the orange juice? I mean, when you take the orange juice, it costs more than the orange. <laughs> The difference is processing. One has been trained. <laughs> and the other one is as, as, as it was in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And many of us have organic lives. <laughs> completely untrained. With organic behavior. Do you see just the way you are, you will not do well. Do you get it? Yes. It's like you are a certain way and no one can talk you out of that way. No, no matter how much preaching you hear, no matter how much talking, admonishing, no matter what anybody tells you, you are so loyal to the way your organic self DJ Ashwell. I'm just closing. Are you ready to go home? Just re- you just ready. I was watching DJ Ash was leading the worship and just making some dance, moves, just helping us to dance a little bit. You know, as I watch from the back, as some people, you know, we don't dance. <laughs> you know, and it's like that's it. That's my my organic self.
1: <laughs> I won't dance.
0: Yeah. But have you ever wondered why God created our bodies and broke them in different places, put so many joints in them so that they can be rearranged? You see? And it's the movement that brings life. In fact, movement is a sign of life. That's how you know something is not dead. If you walked outside and you saw a snake just lying there, just lying there still, You look at it. What you're looking for is whether it's alive. You have two ways to do that. You can put your ear there and see if you you hear it breathing. (laughs) Which is a very bad idea. (laughs) Or the other thing you can do is to give it a reason to move. And that movement will assure you that there is life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. And you see all, I mean, exercising, going to the gym, it's all about movement. Yeah, there's no place in the gym where you just come and watch a movie. <laughs> Sit somewhere and watch a movie and, 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 and become strong. No, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Everything in the gym is about movement, 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 movement. So God has put movement in the church called dancing. Yeah. Do you understand? There's something he has put as part of our worship. As You know, the Bible says praise him in the dance. Psalm 150 it says praise him in the dance, not with the dance, but in the dance, God expects that he will be praised within your dance. That is God's natural aerobic exercises that he has put in his bed. He knows that at least if you go through the whole week not exercising, when you come to church, a little bit of something, a little bit of something, you we know, we'll just burn some few calories, just something. But it's like you cannot be admonished. Yeah, you see, look at it. Let them praise his name in the
1: dance.
0: Do you see? Yeah.
1: In the dance. In the
0: dance. So there's praise in the dance. And when the dance is absent, that praise is absent. But it's like, no matter how much you turn up the music, no matter what beat you put in the music, some people have made up their minds. I don't do dancing and you will not change my mind. Yeah. Always think about it. Your raw state. It's dangerous. It's destructive. It's ugly. It's it's detestable and will be rejected. Most of the way you naturally are is not acceptable. Yeah, it's not acceptable. Yeah, it's not acceptable. Some people get married; they will not change. Yeah, you can't speak to them. You will not. You cannot advise them. They just believe in their raw instincts. Do you see? But meanwhile, that's not what was selected. It's your dressed up self that was selected. Which is not you. <laughs> yeah. That's why the word is dressed up. <laughs> you lift it up a little bit. But the real you has to undergo some processing to add value. Yeah. To turn you from the raw orange on the roadside into the, don't you see that even the processed ones are kept in a different place. More expensive housing. The ones that are raw, they are there. <laughs> yeah. When you enter the store, you go left and the right. Which one do you want? And process is over there with other roots. (laughs) They call them produce. (laughs) And then they call these ones products. (laughs) You must allow yourself to go through training. Amen. You're not naturally package to be able to marry and stay married. Do you get it? Marriage can come about because of your looks. Your looks can create a marriage for you. But your looks, you know. (laughs) Did you get it? You know that your looks are not like that all the time. Do do, do you get it? In the end, it will be your unprocessed self that people live with. And that will make them decide whether to continue being with you or not. Do you get it? Yes. One of the painful things
1: in life is to be left.
0: To be rejected. Do you get it? Yeah. It's even better not to be chosen than to be chosen and unchosen. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, to like and unlike. It's better that nobody selected you. But one of the reasons for unliking or being unliked is a discovery of the heart of a person that will not be trained. Do you see? Yeah. When people discover that, you know, know, I can't live with this forever. Then they start to look elsewhere, start to do different things. And people start to go away from promises they have made. You get it? And don't believe so much in the promises because the promises are not based, they are not informed promises. Do you get it? I mean, when somebody says, Do you whatever I do, you don't even know what is in what you are doing. You don't know what is in what you are doing. Yeah. And it's the preacher who said you should say <laughs> Yes. And so you said it after him. But it's not, it's not, those are his words. They are not your words. It's better to be a person of substance. People don't walk away from people of substance. People don't walk away from people of character. People don't walk away from people who have been trained. People who have been brought up. People who have been processed. Do you see? And processing is painful. It's painful. How do you think a potato feels when you're peeling it? The potato has been comfortable in its skin all its life until it met you. You see, but all its life Remaining in the skin, it was not chosen to be on the table. Now, to qualify it for the table, we now have to pull the skin off. That process hurts because you're cutting away something that is a natural part of the potato. But if it will be humble and allow itself to go through, it will be served in high places. it has allowed itself to be processed. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you allow yourself, and processing means being rebuked. It means being corrected. Yes, it means hearing some things you don't like to hear. Yes, it means being told something you don't want to be told. But it's setting you up for a high quality life. It's processing you it's adding value to you it's making you different from everybody in your family yeah yes everybody in your house is rude everybody because it was a rude environment everybody just, just rude just said uh, yeah. all natural yeah. everybody talks they throw their hands yeah Everybody's get what you need get what you want just, just, just get it get your own food everybody gets their own everything You get it. Now you meet somebody who comes from a different kind of environment and he's thinking that something has to be made and we all share. We all eat and you don't know that type of thing. (laughs) You get it. Training will give that to you. Can I have an amen? It's better to be a poor wise child than to be an old wise king who cannot be admonished. Without being humbled, you cannot be trained, disciplined, or instructed to perform certain tasks. It says the fact that someone cannot modify your thoughts, your behavior, and habits is an indication of your bigness and your pride. Do you see? The fact that nobody can change the way you think and the way you behave just because that's what you're used to. And if you're used to it, it doesn't mean it's the right thing. Yeah, you're used to it because nobody corrected it. Because you haven't met anybody. Every potato is used to its skin. Do you see? Yes. Just like oranges are used to their peels. Until they meet someone who wants to do something with it, that person is going to require those peels to come off. Ruthlessly. Sometimes with their... With their thumb, they'll, they'll just rip it off you. Yeah, I want you. I like you. I desire you. I've paid a price for you, but not with the pills. You see, just because someone paid a price for the orange doesn't mean he wants to eat it with the pills. That's what says. say. Someone says he has taken you out on a date. The person has chosen you, has spent some money on you. It doesn't mean he wants you just as you are. There are some things that must still come off you. has to come off you have to change something has to go off you in order for you to remain desirable can I have an amen well our time is up we'll continue next Sunday so stand to your feet next Sunday we'll continue all right make sure you're in church next Sunday so we can continue
1: this message amen
0: right close your eyes with me everybody And just take a moment to pray. I'm sure God has spoken to you today. I'm sure God has spoken to you about
1: many different things, different aspects of your life. God is saying.
2: Jesus, bring healing. Father, thank you for the body that brings healing. Every healing, every one of every disease known and unknown, in the hospital anywhere, by the power of the body of Jesus Christ and His stripes, receive your healing. The body of Jesus Christ. Lift your hands. Say, I'll never be a traitor. I'll never be a traitor. I'll never betray. And I'll never be a disappointment. And I'll never be a disappointment. May the blood of Jesus wash away from you every trait and smell of unfaithfulness and wickedness and disloyalty. May you be cleansed forever by the blood of your sin, of my sin. The blood of Jesus Christ. Lift your hands for your blessing. May God Almighty fight for you. May God Almighty defend you. May God Almighty stand up on your behalf. I release the angel of the Lord to encamp around you, to follow you, and to assist you in all that you do. May you be safe. May you be safe. Covered by the blood of the Lamb. You will not be the subject of bad news. Or the subject of evil tidings. Or the subject of any unfortunate accident. In the name of Jesus Christ. You are delivered. You are protected. You are helped. By the blood of the Lamb. That taketh away the sins of the world. Whatever sounds and is an unfortunate bad news about you, we cancel it. It will never happen. I say it will never happen. It is impossible in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, whatever your expected end, I hear in the realm of the spirit the word expected end. Whatever is your expected end. Receive now an expected end. A good outcome. A good outcome. That is your portion. Place your hand on your chest, on your heart. Father, thank you for a good outcome. I pray and bless your children. They shall have a good outcome. A good outcome and an expected end. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Lord bless you. The Lord favor you. The Lord remember you. The Lord answer your prayers the Lord help you the Lord release angels convoys of angels around you the Lord make his face to shine on you and on all your doings, say ye to the righteous, it shall be well with them for he shall eat of his doings the blessing of the Lord is upon you, the blessing of the Lord rests upon you, the blessing of the Lord helps you, the blessing of the Lord covers you the blessing of the Lord is with you the blessing of the Lord is in the house of the righteous. The blessing of the Lord is in your dwelling place. The blessing of the Lord is upon all that you are. Upon your children, upon your family. And upon all that belongs to you. In the name of Jesus. Let me hear your loudest amen to the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.